Like Miles said, I'm a truth teller. Some people can't handle it. It's a dangerous thing to mistake speaking without thought for speaking the truth. Don't you think? I told you about strawberry peels. You know the place where nothing is real. It's a dangerous thing to mistake spoiling without thought for spoiling the truth. This is Glass <laughs> Onion, a Knives Out Spoilers Mystery. <laughs> Pappy, your southern accent is about as good as Brian Kelly's. Oh, I thank you, sir. I thank you. My family down here. You sound like Michael Scott doing it. It's really impressive. I declare murdering. <laughs> I do declare I do declare. I do declare bankruptcy. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be surprised if Steve Carell shows up in one of these movies. Did we even spoil the first Knives Out, right? This is our first Knives Out mystery. Terrible name for a movie. I feel like anytime you put a semicolon, it's too much. It's too much. He didn't want it. Netflix yeah, forced him? Yeah, Pappy's got to know that. He hated that. Yeah, they forced his hand on it. Have you been following Ryan Johnson on this, Josh? He didn't want any part of Knives Out. He just wanted it to be called Glass Onion Simply, yep. which is a better title for a movie, but you can understand Netflix's perspective. Everyone liked Knives Out, and it's guaranteed money, kind of, to have it in the title. Can you understand it, though? It's guaranteed money. The thing of it is, with something like Netflix, couldn't they just add Knives Out as, like, a tag to it? You know what I mean? So if someone types in Knives Out, Glass Onion just pops up. True. Does the title actually help? But this is spoilers. We're here to spoil new Netflix, new Ryan Johnson, favorite of the podcast. Oh, Long Johnson. We've had a long storied history with ryan johnson but let's introduce our host super quick i don't have an opening question i was just playing this board game with my family it's the holiday season and the question was it's like you had to like name something and get someone to like think of an example of that the, the, the rules don't matter but mm-hmm. the question in the game was what would be a movie that would be better with godzilla in it <laughs> and I, I know it's not apropos to anything <laughs> what the hell? i'm putting you on a spot it's uh, a great question I can go first um, if you guys want a little bit of time. That would help. To think. That wouldn't hurt. Yeah. This is Pappy recording from Kalamazoo, Michigan. I think I'm just going to go with recency bias here. And, you know, Kubrick is a guy who covered a lot of genres. And maybe it's just the holiday spirit. But if there could be a Godzilla attack happening during Eyes Wide Shut, kind of in the background, kind of Cloverfield style, I think that would be interesting. Right, to see how the rich and powerful are dealing with this. Very similar themes of class, Eyes Wide Shut, this. Um, <laughs> it's also just the last movie that I watched, so that's all I could think of. I also thought, like... Eyes Wide Shut? Uh, yeah, maybe adding a Godzilla to a previously existing Godzilla movie. You know, that could be kind of interesting. Um, hopefully I bought you enough time there. Steve, you got an example of a, a good movie with a Godzilla edition? <sighs> Pap, you know me. I talk about this all the time. I always tell you if I'm going away to prison for a long time, I robbed a bank, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's, I mean, it's no secret. I've said on this pod forever. A deep-seated seated fantasy of mine is to rob a bank where no one gets hurt. Traumatized, maybe, but no one gets Stevie hurt. Stevie just wants one last job, everybody. <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. No one will get hurt. <laughs> no one gets hurt, promise. In and out, boys. I think... <laughs> Dog Day Afternoon would be beautiful with Godzilla in the background. Yeah, okay. Just because you you know that sergeant 
that's like trying to calm Al Pacino down the entire time is probably like, I got this going on, got fucking Godzilla over here, and it could be amazing. <laughs> Al Pacino just to have that Attica and Godzilla Attica, Attica, and you, like all of a sudden you hear the Godzilla roar. Like I, I would love that. Josh, you love Godzilla and you love Ryan Johnson. You've had a full character arc on this podcast. <laughs> we'll get into everything Ryan Johnson during the meat of this podcast, but I struggled to mm. f- think of a movie that wouldn't be better with Godzilla, Pappy. <laughs> so true. Uh, man. Okay. Picture you're in the Mountain West. It's a movie that has a lot of close-ups of food and earthy things. It's a very real movie. Maybe the main protagonist has just won like his high school talent show. Pedro has just won his presidency, his student body president. <laughs> and all of a sudden you hear as they're celebrating. <laughs> and Godzilla is at the end of Napoleon Dynamite. Kip, get the crystals. <laughs> Burn its balls. <laughs> I like answering with recent spoilers movies so we can toss back to them. But honestly, I... I do like Godzilla a lot, Pappy. Great question. I like that. Shout out to my family. The answer we came up with was the Clifford the Big Red Dog movie. Yeah! And Clifford has to fight Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Clifford dies. That's terrible. That is don't good. see it coming at all. Um, but Knives Out, a glass onion mystery, or whatever we're spoiling today. I, Josh, you wanted to talk about Ryan Johnson. I. Should we just start with that? What your character arc on Ryan Johnson? We, I know we didn't like him in uh, Last Jedi times. <laughs> a lot's happened since then. Do you um? Did you watch Knives Out? Was this your first Knives Out mystery? No, I saw the Knives Out one uh, when it came out. I'm so shocked. I could have sworn we did a pod on that, but I'm looking through the lists and we've not. It's a really good movie. I. To, to you two in particular, I've always been a proponent of the movie Brick, and you guys have always kind of chirped at it, but I know you guys like Looper a lot. I think overall we're really positive on Ryan Johnson here, don't you think? He's made more good movies than bad. 100%. I guess definitely true. And my shitting on Brick is like shitting on the genre of that early 2000s, which is like high schoolers acting like they're you know 38 or 40. Like that's bothered me for a long time in all seriousness though like ryan johnson is a lightning rod for extreme opinions based on your political beliefs i feel like right like i feel like a lot of people are just we're just gonna hate this movie out of hand before they even saw it like just based on what he did in knives out and like this residual hate from the last jedi doesn't he have a quote where he's talked about he prefers his audiences to be kind of split after seeing his movies, he doesn't want to make movies that everyone loves. I th- this was around The Last Jedi time that he came out and said this. And I think it's that quote in particularly that bothers me. That you, like, purposely want to piss people off. And I think he did that in The Last Jedi. And I do see a lot of shades of that in this movie. <laughs> Even if maybe I agree with the politics that he's got at hand. But don't you guys think he's a little bit ham-fisted in the messaging here? Especially at the end of the movie? What messaging? You mean just in terms of 
these tropes of people, the Joe Rogan, the, I don't know if he's supposed to be Jeff <laughs> Bezos or Elon Musk type people. I think there's this battle between the left and right about if billionaires deserve to have, deserve to be billionaires, despite however much merit they may or may not have. And I think this movie says they don't have very much merit, and it's kind of a game based on luck and a game based on like who can be the like worst person and stab the other one in the back. But I also think, <laughs> I, I don't know if we want to get to the end already, Pappy, but this is spoilers. Having a black woman destroy a white man's stuff and even destroy part of history, like the Mona Lisa, I think was obviously going to rile some people up. Really? The Mona Lisa? I think the Mona Lisa for sure. It's like the symbol of like, western white culture culture yeah. yeah and it's like the like people hail it as the greatest painting of all time i i've seen the mona lisa in person not impressed <laughs> tell us about it it's way smaller than you think hmm. and you're in the louvre and it's like i mean i don't know i i saw like 10 cooler pieces of art that i couldn't tell you their name or whatever there's also this ginormous hype around it too. So you have to like go through this. It's in this giant room full of like tourists from all over the world. At least it was like pre COVID, um, which I want to talk about that too in this movie, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's we've all seen it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it looks exactly like I think it was just smaller. <laughs> hey, been there, done it. Do you guys have a theory? Of, like, why is the Mona Lisa? known as the best painting and why is it so famous and why is everyone always contemplating her smile you know like what what is it about this painting stevie you, do you like it the mona lisa i've never really cared for it i mean i'm sure someone listening to this podcast and explain to me why it's the greatest painting ever i don't see it but i understand like why it's in this movie though i mean just as far as like pure like hubris i guess like opulence you know, someone having everything, including like the actual Mona Lisa. It's pretty hilarious. I was talking about COVID a second ago. Did this movie need the first 20 minutes with the COVID? I, I felt like it just felt like dated a little bit. You know what I mean? Ryan Johnson is like so insistent on grounding this movie in our actual reality as much as he can. You know, I, but I feel like I just didn't, I didn't need the masks and all that stuff. It kind of bummed me out. I think it's funny. The rules for thee and not for me. Well, just for the simple fact that, like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of these characters are based on real people, which we could point out hilariously who we think they are. But, like, in the context of who these people are, I'm sure a lot of them are, like, anti-mask, you know, my rights, you know, putting stuff out in social media, how, you know, the vaccine will kill you, yada, yada. But when they go to this private island, they have no problem doing it because they're going to see a billionaire. I also, to your point, Pappy, think the first like seven or eight minutes, this fast pace clipping through the characters with this box, this wooden box, might be the weakest part of the movie to me. It's not very memorable. And like, to me, the movie doesn't start till they're like loading up or maybe even getting onto the island. I wasn't a huge fan. It seems like overly stylized and like a little too cool for school for me as well. <laughs> with like the clips of them like overlaying like talking to each other i didn't like that that was i didn't care for that it just didn't look very good we should get into those characters i think it's becoming more clear 
on i mean i i guess ryan johnson's gonna keep making these he says he's already started to write the third knives out mystery i feel like the brand of what a knives out mystery is becoming like way more clear now that we have like you know two examples of these one of those is a star-studded fucking cast and i gotta be honest i think i like this cast as much as the first one josh anyone who stood out to you um especially from that first group of uh billionaires hanging out of the golden teat uh in this movie or are you talking about knives out one or two? Oh, sorry this one in this one yeah from that first group did anyone stand out to you i think dave bautista really stands out to me just because there's a lot of like actors actors in this like edward norton but dave bautista <laughs> like fits in somehow weirdly well and i don't know is his character supposed to be like andrew tate or something he's like kind of a misogynistic big brute of a man i kind of forget what is his actual occupation within the story do you guys recall he's a twitch streamer yeah what do you suspect he's twitching (laughs) video games i think it's some video games it's like manosphere stuff too they mention i don't even know if andrew tate would have been well known enough uh-uh. At the time, fair enough. Because it, it's like, but it's also it's also not Joe Rogan because he lives with his mom, you know. Because it's, it's like, <laughs> I feel like Ryan Johnson is just terminally online, and this is just like an online dude who <laughs> Ryan Johnson's interacted with a thousand times and, and doesn't like. Did you guys like Janelle Monae's performance in this as two people? I like Janelle Monae in anything. Yeah, Andy, and what was the other one? Hannah, Heather. I don't know. <laughs> Which one were they? Kate Hudson? No, so it, uh, Janelle Monet, the two sisters that oh, she plays. Um, Andy and somebody Andy else. Andy and Helen? I can't remember her name. What was it? She's the one, Josh, she mentioned, actually came up with the idea of Alpha Corp, and Edward Norton stole it from her. And she's also arguably the main character besides Daniel Craig, kind of like Ana de Armas was in the first one. Where it's kind of centered around her plight to really figure this out. Like, she's the one character kind of motivated to really figure it out. That was going to be another thing I was going to say. That also is going to be... It feels like a central part of a Knives Out mystery where uh, Daniel Craig has his Watson, who's like some chick, <laughs> right? And it's going to be, you know, the, the heroine of that movie, basically, who's been oppressed by or wronged by all the other characters. What do you think are the... if we're getting into like big perspective similarities between knives out movies and what we can expect from future ones what do you think are the main like high high perspective differences between number one and number two because i think there's a tonal shift for one but what else do you see pappy is this one just feels way sillier in a lot of ways like again not to like get to the the end of the movie this is spoilers janelle monet you know blows up the mansion with this hydrogen gas and it's such a violent explosion i was like there's no possible like i was watching like there's like one of two outcomes either they're gonna die and everyone just died it's like the end of rogue one or they come out of like she's gonna walk out of this burning building like a looney tune character who just held a stick of dynamite you know what i mean like and that's they went with option two but this would be silly i feel like some jokes really land but I don't know if like Ryan Johnson as a comedian has a very high batting average for jokes. 
for me. Like, I don't... Just having Hugh Grant show up isn't a joke. Yeah, having a sauce named Jeremy Renner sauce doesn't really make me laugh, to be honest. It's not funny. Like, but this movie is funny at times, too. Like, when he... For some reason, the iPad thing, that cracked me up. See, were they, like, any moments of humor that did or didn't work for you? Do you know what I'm picking up? Or picking up what I'm putting down a little bit with the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar just showing up? I like the Jeremy Renner joke, man. <laughs> just, like, you guys remember the Jeremy Renner app? I forgot about it, but yeah. Where it's just Jeremy Renner, the app? What do you do? Dude, it's just Jeremy fucking Renner. I don't know. I don't think it was free either, was it? Like no, paid? it wasn't free. What do you mean? You paid for the Jeremy. It's like a 3D model of his body that you just like look at. I think it was like Jeremy Renner updates. Mm-hmm. And like he'd post little clips on there. He like he like post videos of like, hey team, how's it going? Like, and then it was like three days later where you know that article came out where he supposedly you know put a gun to his wife, ex-wife's head. I don't know. But it made me laugh, the idea that he would have a hot sauce, too. Welcome, gang. Two cocktails before I'm murdered. I think I remember everyone's favorite. And we got tamales. My chemist. Mmm, Lagavulin 16. He likes it heavy on the feet. Serve it up neat. Is this my Cuban breeze? The drink that got us on the no-fly list at St. Bart's. What else? Hashtag worth it. Player Bear? Mm. Room temp white. You're not great. Mm. Berry. That has a kick. Oh, that's uh, Jeremy Renner's small batch hot sauce. <clears throat> I let him invest. He sends me like a pallet every year. Take a few bottles. One thing I do like that Ryan Johnson does, which, you know, Agatha, Agatha Christie or any kind of like whodunit tries to do is, you know, every little thing is going to come into play at a certain point. And I do like the silliness of like the things that would come into play, especially with the hot sauce. I, th- I thought that was pretty clever. Mm-hmm. It's like rolling down her nose. I yeah, mean, that's, that's a cool. I've never seen that in a movie. Like hot sauce torture, <laughs> basically. No, that's a that was good. I like that. Do you think Jeremy Renner is inv- involved in that joke, or is that Ryan Johnson just writing that and using his likeness, poking fun at him? I think it's poking fun at Jeremy Renner. I like that more though. Kind of like not only do you have an app, you know, that lasted a week, but also. We have a hot sauce, too. This is going to be kind of tough to go through character by character, Pappy, because I'm kind of confused on what all of their jobs are. Um, I think Kate Hudson is also some sort of like influencer, like famous model in this world. But she was another point of comedy that often didn't work for me. I, I don't, I'm not trying to be overly negative here at the beginning of the pod, but Kate Hudson overall in this movie was for me. There was one joke where the girl whiskey is in the pool, and I think the whole joke is Kate Hudson doesn't want to get in the pool because whiskey's so hot in the pool. I'm like that's <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> it was out of nowhere, but I did love like so. The initial concept is going to be this murder mystery game that they're all going there to play, and Birdie's uh, Kate Hudson's going to be like the whodunit person, and Daniel Craig just like dismantles this murder mystery in like two minutes. <laughs> just like figures everything out. It's so funny. I love that part. When the jokes are in the story, I'm really vibing with it. Um, I think the only one other person we didn't talk about was Leslie Odom Jr. Two Movie Club now. Uh, he was Aaron Burr in Hamilton. Um, Ooh. He's some scientist guy. Catherine Hahn is like a politician who's part of this gang as oh, well. Right. And Pappy, this is kind of like a gang of friends we're supposed to believe, right? Like this group of people 
used to hang out for like karaoke every Wednesday in their 20s or something like that. <laughs> I love how Ryan Johnson calls them the disruptors. I, I love that line. <laughs> picks like the most like biz hot word that he can. You know what I mean? It's so so stupid. Especially the way that Ed- Edward Norton says it. I just believed it hook, line, and sinker. Like, yep, this exists. And he's like, I want to be mentioned in the same uh, breath as the Mona Lisa. And everyone's like, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> We're the disruptors. This story is very interestingly structured, the way this film's put together. Have you ever seen anything like this, Stevie? And I think they kind of hint at it at the beginning where they're talking about like a fugue and they kind of lay the layers of things on top of each other. It's like the movie just, you get 20 minutes, 34, 30, 40 minutes of story that jumps back and like gives you that 30 minutes but from a different perspective like some people like uh, mara wilson's cousin really couldn't vibe with that but i had no issue with it at all i just thought the andy misdirect was pretty awesome like i know that i'm one that like hates on twins or clones and finds it cheap <laughs> i was gonna but ask <laughs> in the context of the story and how it's like presented it really made sense i thought it was a really nice touch that ryan johnson did with it well at least it's not twins and clones they picked one or the other. For this yes. Movie. Yes, exactly. When the movie does that jump back, I'm so invested in the story at that point. Like, I think the middle hour of this movie is by far the best. And I think, like, I just love a good murder mystery. And when this movie's humming on that beat, I fucking love it. Like, just getting all the insights, seeing Daniel Craig, you know, set up this whole thing, too. Which, is Hugh Grant Daniel Craig's lover? Yes. Wasn't expecting that. I like it. I like it a lot. I think it... <sighs> this is on me, though. I thought it was his butler at first. Like, That's on you. But they, they, they don't <laughs> they don't show any affection to each other. You know, it's just Daniel Craig in the tub telling him to get the door, basically. Well, I mean, this could be like the same with the husband and wife, though. It's like, hey, get the door. Okay, it's like, you know, the wife's going to run over and kiss him. Yeah, I own that one. Yeah, that's on me. If it would have been a woman, I probably would have assumed it was his wife. Yeah, but like, me, I... I really hate, this is also a thing that came out of the 90s, early 2000s, and many movies before that, but really heightened in those decades of like cheap love interests, which is like love interests for the sake of having it. And I like the idea of just a gay Daniel Craig doing his amazing Southern accent, you know, and like you said, needs a Watson next to him, whether it's a guy or a girl. I kind of just like the, you know, no need for love interests. Let's just go to the story. Mm-hmm. I do love the middle hour, Pabby. I think it's also the strongest, and it's all—it's all because Janelle Monae is shot, and the audience thinks she's dead. The people in the movie think she's dead. She's on the steps, but we get a little bit of a rewind. How did she get to this point? And it turns out, like Stevie said, this is actually the original woman's twin. Andy's twin who had thought of this like tech idea in the first place right and so this twin isn't one of the disruptors and she's essentially <laughs> disrupting the disruptors right guys <laughs> get it <laughs> see what's going on here <laughs> oh I get it I, I love that I think she's like a school teacher and she decides like her sister deserves justice for being killed and she wants to go to this island, even though it means putting her life on the line. 
it's it's a pretty cool part of the movie really like it and the movie like makes you think that she's dead for the majority of that middle hour right like it all builds to her getting shot that's what triggers the flashback to finding out who this person actually was and then we come to find out that she's not dead which i'm surprised that like i don't know like ben shapiro of all people complaining about that i mean that's like i sure it's convenient but it's like i don't know it's something from history like i think it was like roosevelt or something got shot and had like a bible or something in his pocket and it blocked the bullet so it's not like it's that's impossible to happen i mean i did see uh mara wilson's cousin also complaining about the movie lying to you i love every (sighs) okay i i think what he's i'll be super charitable i think what he's talking about specifically is there's a sequence of scenes where dave batista gets killed and i do want to talk about that a little bit more in depth because i don't know if i to this day understand why exactly dave batista was killed but edward norton switches the drinks the film shows you him switching the drinks it's happening though like during a party so there's a lot of chaos there's a flashback to that and in the flashback it's different than the first time that he showed it i think that's what he means ben means when he says that he doesn't like the film lying to you i thought that was awesome because it's like it's proving to you as well like how difficult this kind of observation is right and like eyewitness testimony how unreliable it is like the movie shows you it then it makes you doubt what you saw i I think it's great cb did you like that misdirect yes it's awesome i mean i say this all the time every like first off to have unreliable like narrators is awesome to have a movie that lies to you is awesome you know the simple fact that even your main character is lying to you for a bit that's awesome and i don't mind these misdirects at all and especially for the simple fact that, like, you know, when you're watching these whodunits, you're always looking for things. And so Dave Bautista on the dock goes, there's no pineapple in this, right? When Ethan Hawke is, like, spritzing people. And when he died, I went, oh, it's probably pineapple juice. Probably just it with pineapple juice. And you go through, like, this long charade of it being something else. And, you you know, you come back to it. No, it really is just pineapple juice. I like that. What do you think about the old switcheroos, Josh? Can I can I read you this quote from Joe Russo of the famous Russo Brothers writing team? He says, Ben Shapiro couldn't get traction with a screenplay in Hollywood, and instead of trying to improve his own screenwriting, he blamed liberals for holding him down. <laughs> anyway, I wouldn't be surprised. He said that? <laughs> Joe Russo said that about Ben <laughs> Shapiro. <laughs> That's dirty. <laughs> oh, man. What was your question, Pat? I... I- I just have never seen anything like that in a movie where it's the flashback. I mean, maybe like a Rashomon type thing, but like the flashbacks are being altered based on the perspective of the person telling the story. I think that's genius. And it's like, it's all out there for you. You know, mm-hmm. if you were a very observant watching this movie carefully, you, you could have known that in the flashback, it wasn't the same as the first, the first time. I think that's great. It is cool. It's like a psychological trick and like you said and i think like daniel craig's character points out like if someone suggests to you what that memory should have been it can actually become your real memory over time and uh one of my daughters over christmas break was just doing that experiment where you either hear laurel or yanny when you listen to the sound clip i don't know if you guys have heard that before laurel laurel Laurel. Laurel. It seems to be in some of those things like the power of suggestion 
can manipulate the outcome. So I don't know. The, the Toy, Toy Story, Story three. Uh, yeah. yeah. What's that? It's where Ken is like getting tortured, where Barbie is yes. like ripping up his clothes. And you either hear, I think it's Barbie or the F word. Yes. You either hear, oh, Barbie or oh, fuck. We'll play the clip. Let's see. Hawaiian surf trunks. Oh, Barbie. Those were vintage. Oh, Barbie. Oh, Barbie. Oh, Barbie. Yeah. But I hear, I hear, oh, fuck so clearly now. Yeah. It's just been planted in my brain. Because it's suggested. Yeah, exactly. That's actually a way better example because Laurel and Yanny. A lot of people, even though they know, even though they know it's supposed to say Yanny, can't hear it. But that oh fuck Barbie one, like seriously, you can hear it. Like you can rock it back and forth and think of the word Barbie, and then you will hear Barbie. So I hope you played that twice, maybe mm-hmm. Pappy, so that people can mm-hmm. listen for it both ways <laughs> back to back. It's like the yeah, it's like the old woman rabbit. If you know what I mean, if you like, kind of change yeah. your focus, it's like you hear the different the different things. But I, I want to go back to I don't know why Dave Bautista died in this movie. Like why did Ed Norton kill him? Because there's even a scene later where Leslie Odom Jr. says, "Why did you kill Dave Bautista?" And they say because Dave Bautista saw him driving back from the house. Yeah. But but doesn't everybody else at that point like like why kill Dave Batista? He's though? the only one who saw him. You know, they passed each other on the road. He thinks that Dave Batista would like ratted him out. Yeah, and he even er- mm. like they do a flashback to that as well, where Dave Batista brought that up because they almost hit each other, and Ed- Edward Norton changed the conversation to like, oh yeah, wasn't the celebrities party like crazy? Yeah, like Anderson Cooper's. Yeah, Anderson, yeah. the Anderson Cooper joke. Uh, another cameo joke, but I think it was kind of like Dave Bautista not only could put him at the scene of the crime as a witness, but also at that moment saw on his phone that um, the character was dead. Like who, um, gosh, Andy and Helen. So Andy was actually dead and Helen was playing her. And so like he figured that out and showed it Mm -hmm. in his cell phone and um, Elon Musk basically freaked out, <laughs> and, right? Maybe he didn't even mean to kill him or something. Maybe he's just trying to knock him out. I, I don't know, Stevie. Do you think he was murdering him there? Well, yeah, because like he's like, I can kind of like finger you for you know the death, and also I'm gonna blackmail you into giving me like the job that I want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like superpower play here. Oh, so he was like. Forcing his hand, saying, yeah. "You're gonna put me on Alpha News." Yeah, now. this is okay. You know, see these numbers, mm-hmm. big for Alpha News. We both know what I yeah. saw. I saw you coming from the house. Yep. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You see, if Mara Wilson's cousin would just pay more attention, like, <laughs> he would understand these things. It took me to the third Mara Wilson's cousin mention for it to like me to realize it was Ben Shapiro. You guys were talking about. I'm not so. going to say his name, but Mara Wilson's cousin. I mean. It's not that hard to figure out. <laughs> I really wish I could have seen this in theaters. Like, that would have helped with the focus, too. You know, this is a two and a half hour movie with a lot of fucking ins and a lot yeah. of fucking outs. It's tough that it's only on Netflix. Do you guys think, like, Pap, we always talk about, like, how you don't like movies about Hollywood versus, like, how I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to imagine Ryan Johnson is around a lot of people like this, right? You can't just write people out of thin air. It has to come from some experience, like, I know you guys didn't love Kate Hudson's character, but did you guys like the sweatpants joke as much as I did. I thought that was funny. What was the sweatpants joke? Sweatpants versus sweatshop. 
Oh, yeah. There's like a meta thing, too, with the sweatpants. That's what I thought you were talking about. Your cousin Adam told me about this, Pappy. I think Kate Hudson in real life really did, like, release sweatpants during oh, COVID God. or something like that. From a sweatshop? I'm not saying it was a sweatshop. <laughs> Serious accusations, Josh. <laughs> Workout clothing. Kate Hudson makes light of exploiting Malaysian workers. And makes movie about it and profits. <laughs> she wants to claim this movie's woke. How woke is that, Kate Hudson? <laughs> woke doesn't care about your feelings. I think it is a little bit of the eyes wide shut thing, where it's like he has brushed shoulders of the elite elites. You oh know yeah, I mean? like the the real upper crust people of society, and he clearly has a lot of contempt for them. And, I, and I'm wondering if like this whole a class dynamic is always going to be a part of these knives out stories as well. But I really do think it was like, this movie feels like it was written from someone who was like terminally online during the COVID shutdowns, right? Like there's a fucking like among us reference. Like, yes. I don't know if you guys played that game at yeah. all, but I was like, Holy fuck. This is like a trip down memory, memory lane of the pandemic. Ryan Johnson is on Twitter all the time. He is. And I just listened to an interview with him with the director's guild. It's like a 30 minute podcast. It's pretty good. But he did mention like several times about how like you can see this on his Twitter page, see that on his Twitter page. Um, and then he always would reference how, like, haha, also Elon Musk, who I kind of rib in this movie, is in charge of Twitter now. So it's very, like, confusing. But Pappy and I guess maybe Stevie, do you guys think making fun of this upper crust is, like, hurting Ryan's uh, money in the future, basically? Like... Uh, I feel like a lot of people don't do this in Hollywood for a reason. Is he breaking some glass with this? I mean... Glass onions? <laughs> Who's to really be offended by this movie? I don't know. Maybe if you thought Kate Hudson was based on you. <laughs> I mean, does does Elon Musk like own a movie studio? Or does he, you know, part of like, you know, the big big three movie studios now... I mean, Jeff Bezos does, and he just produced the most expensive show in the history of, of television. Amazing show, by the way. But, like, I mean, <sighs> the people that I think would be offended by this, I don't think have any control over Ryan Johnson's creative life. Or, like, will it hinder it in any way, put it that way. I would tend to agree, and I think that, like, Ryan Johnson's probably already burned a few bridges you know, like, I mean, not necessarily even like things that he's done, but I don't see Ryan Johnson making a movie for Disney. No. You know what I mean? Especially after the way shit went down. So I feel like, I, I don't know. I, I, I do think it's a shame, though, that this is on Netflix and like was barely in theaters. Well, that's like my whole thing is like, why even call it like, if you're not even going to push like four theaters, why even call it a Knives Out story? Kind of leave like the Benoit Blanc thing to surprise, in my opinion. Could have been cool. Could have been a really cool reveal. Speaking of reveals, was there anything in that final act, Stevie? Um, maybe kind of explain too. Like we haven't even mentioned the red envelope. Oh, the um, the whole Disney plans and a napkin thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, the whole basis of the court case, right, is who has the original napkin, right? 
Like, who, mm-hmm. who wrote it on the napkin? And, like, the worst part is, is pretty much that's why Ed Norton murders Andy, right? So he can go to her house, kill her, and get the original napkin so he doesn't have to, you know, give up the company or whatever. And he has the hubris. Instead of destroying it, he holds on to it almost like a trophy. But he holds on to it in such a way where it's in plain sight, but not in such a way where you notice it. <laughs> it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, this problem is solved in the movie by Edward Norton just being dumb. You know what I mean? Because like, he could have just destroyed the envelope. That's why I liked Benoit Blanc's kind of rant at the end where he's like, the man's just a fucking idiot, all right? We all assumed he was smart. He's not. He's just dumb. And I think like we can all gather who that's aimed at. Does he keep a vial of poison in his tooth or something? Is that some rich person thing? No, 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 no. It's just... It's so much stupider than that. uh, Birdie, what are the ingredients to your Cuban breeze? Um, Vodka, amaretto. Oh, God. And pineapple juice. No pineapple in there, right? Duke, don't dance with pineapple. An allergy. (sighs) He can't even have a drop. Pineapple juice. He just put pineapple juice in his whiskey. It's so dumb. It's so dumb, it's brilliant. No! It's just dumb! That's not ham-fisted him saying it that many times at the end. Almost going out of character for Benoit Blanc to really just like, I don't know. I guess he he knows he's a murderer, so he'll go as low as he wants because this person's (laughs) a piece of shit. But I felt like it, it was a little weird to just hear him say, he's so dumb, like five times. Do you think Elon Musk is dumb, Pabby? Um, He's a disruptor, Josh. Yeah, I would say so. I mean... That he's a disruptor or he's dumb? <laughs> I think that he's dumb solely based on all the Twitter stuff, even. You know, recently, like... Here's the thing. he He goes on and he acts like... Oh, I just want to, I'm doing this to protect free speech. I'm doing this to, you know, clean up the platform. Like, this is like an honorable thing to do. I'm going to like leave all this up to votes in the community, all these policies and stuff. But it's like, dude, the courts in Delaware made you buy Twitter. You didn't <laughs> want to do any of no. this shit. You know what I mean? Don't <laughs> pretend like you did. And like, I, I, what's happened with Tesla too is like one of the biggest destruction of wealth in like modern history is just the share price of Tesla crashing and crashing. He's being voted out. Since he bought test or yeah. since he bought Twitter, like I think, if you want to say that he is a great entrepreneur, and under that there would probably be some level of intelligence, like you know, t- to make SpaceX happen to some extent, I I will give him some credit there. But he also does a lot of dumb things, and to quote Jim Harbaugh, you know, some people start off on third base and think they hit a triple. You know, his parents <laughs> own a fucking emerald mine. Like I don't. I don't, there's probably a lot of people who could be doing a lot better than Elon Musk is right now if they would have started with an Emerald Mine dynasty, you know? So, I, I don't know. Do you think Elon Musk is dumb, Josh? I would... That's a hard question. Dumb is a tough word. It is. And I would like to the people that might... I listened to a podcast where they recently said, like, anybody with wealth deserves it on merit, even if it was their parents that got it, because their parents got it on merit, and they chose what to do with it. And I, like, understand 
people coming from that point of view. But what I don't understand is thinking that, okay, they have that money. Maybe it was, maybe it's based on merit to some extent, but that doesn't mean they're more right than anybody else going forward in the future on any given subject. So I think like, like you said, like Elon Musk has probably done like some good savvy things in his career, but I, I think there's like a hero worship around some of these people that I think is very unhealthy. And I think that's a lot of what is being lampooned here. Right? Like Mm. if you, if you go into this, like loving Elon Musk, like you're an Elon Musk fan, and you see these connections, you probably will hate this movie because it really makes its intentions clear on the matter. Mm-hmm. One other thing I'll say about Elon Musk too, just total side tangent now at this point, but the whole boring company thing, I don't know how everybody's bullshit meter doesn't just go off to a 12 whenever he brings that up. That shit was never fucking happening and he never really wanted it to happen. It sounded like, and I, I can't believe like people to this day will still be like, oh, and CEO of the boring company. It's like, dude, they're not drilling any fucking tunnels under LA. Nope. That's never, ever, ever happening. Like, it's, it's so obvious. But in this last scene, our friend Film Dylan called this out on Letterboxd. Make sure you're following uh, Film Dylan, the Cine Study Pod on Letterboxd. But he said that the scene where they're breaking the glass was one of the worst scenes in the movie, and he almost lowered his rating a whole star <laughs> based on this scene. <laughs> Dude, it goes on for a long time, though, Stevie. Did you like it? The whole setup of breaking all this glass in here? I'm sure it's symbolic on some level. I'm sure it's symbolic on some level, but, like, I kind of lean more towards Dylan than not on this scene. I did not care for that. Especially, like, the... Like, Catherine Hahn plays, like, such a good bitch. She's so great. She plays the best bitch in the world. She really does. Like, it's an art form at this point. Um... And like to see her being like, oh yeah, let's let, let's break this rich man stuff. It's like I didn't. It's probably I think like the weakest scene of the whole movie. It's like you see Janelle Monae. She breaks one statue, then she runs across the floor and has to break a different statue. Then you see her like a Benny Hill sketch running the next statue. It's like, dude, wrap it up. We got it. It hits a lot harder if it like drags on longer with just her instead of like other people joining in. I think I like that better. Especially comedic wise, if you see like Janelle Monet like shuffle across the floor, like back and forth, back and mm-hmm. forth, they're breaking stuff. Yeah, but the the house burns down, explodes. It's also an interesting subplot too because it's like the existential threat is a fossil fuel alternative yeah. based from seawater. <laughs> <laughs> ben, why don't you like this, Ben? This is right up your alley. Is that is that weird to you at all, Josh? That like this hydrogen form of fuel is actually going to ruin the earth. Yeah, they dip into sci-fi a little bit here. There's like this little element that they've like invented or something that um, Edward Norton wants to like transfer all of the company's wealth to this, or he has at this point actually. And the dirty little secret of this fuel source is that it can blow up. And it does at the end of the movie. So it's like pretty cathartic when it does. But this one of the billionaires we haven't lampooned or talked about during this pod is Zuckerberg. And I think Edward Norton's decision to like change the whole brand of the company is kind of like the meta verse decision. And I also, I also think (laughs) one other way this 
totally isn't Elon is like Elon wasn't ever like a 20 year old scraping by in a bar with his friends. Right. Like he, uh, I think Zuckerberg is more of a person who was a regular guy and stole an idea from his friends to become rich. So (laughs) there's one to ones on both of those guys that I see. Stevie, is there any direction you'd like to see future a knives out mystery films? take like any additional like casting or different settings because like i said i think we have a pretty clear brand at this point so we do have some guidelines that have to stick with them um i think i'm pretty i think i know where it's going um well let's put it this way i don't know where it's going because i don't know ryan johnson's mind but i'd like to see uh Benoit Blanc have to solve his own murder of why he didn't do it. Oh, prove his innocence? Yeah, Benoit Blanc, prove his innocence. I'd like to see that. Benoit Blanc gets set up. Yeah, exactly. I don't think in a Knives Out 3 we're going to see any sort of arc resolution or any finality. I think what Ryan Johnson would like to do is make a 4 and a 5, if possible, from everything I've heard. It's like more of a traditional... Uh, trilogy or something like that, like where it's a continuing story between the, yeah. the three. You like to see a continuation, Josh? No, 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 no. I'm just telling oh. you, I don't think Ryan Johnson is interested in doing like this third movie and having it like wrap up anything from the first two. No, or be no, like, no. or be like the end of Bon or be the end of Daniel Craig's character, anything like that. I think he wants to make more of these and. I hope he is able to. And I think one of the things he always talks about is the Agatha Christie books and how she was able to make like so many and they're not all in the same genre. And each book has its own like individual tone and like theme to it. So, so I do dig that idea in this way, Stevie. And I think you do too. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So like just, it's comforting to know that each movie is going to have some finality to it. I like that. We were saying this on the podcast for years that we want more. I was getting confused. Serialized stories. Is that like the self-contained? Yeah. Ones. Yeah. Like, I don't know why all movies aren't like this. So we want a Cloverfield to be. Um, Josh, where do you stand with Ryan Johnson now? Like, I know there's been some arcs. So you want to get into him on the meat of the pod. Do you, do you want it to see him? continue to focus on these because it's also there's some opportunity cost right if he's going to make four more knives out movies star wars definitely isn't happening it probably wasn't anyway but you know there's other original stories like looper that he might not get to make is that what you'd like to see i don't think we'll ever see ryan johnson just commit to doing knives out for the rest of his career but i think it'd be really cool if you know every third or fourth movie he's doing it's like oh he's doing another knives out and it's kind of got like this history. It starts building. I don't know. I really like that idea. I, I like the opportunity cost is that he's not doing star Wars right now. And I think that's actually a good thing. <laughs> so there still is some resentment you're saying, but not all is forgiven. I, I was thinking about this a lot, man. And I like the last Jedi mostly. Um, it's just this idea that he like with Luke Skywalker specifically, he like broke my toy 
You know, he came into the room, broke it, <laughs> was a bully about it, laughed about it, and said he kind of did it on purpose. Um, with that whole quote about him saying he likes to piss people off as much as he likes to awe people with his movies. I, I was just a little bit on the pissed off side in The Last Jedi. Couldn't help it. <laughs> I think it's good that he has total creative control over this universe. He doesn't have to play nice with someone like J.J. Abrams. Right. Right. Or like pass a story. Or Josh's, forth, like, Josh from Goshen's childhood hero, Luke. Is he, <laughs> right, he, has, yeah. he cannot ruin it with this movie. <laughs> I had one other final thought that we didn't talk about. I'd be interested if you guys had anything, but what I, I, I was a little hard on Ryan Johnson's humor in this and was going back to even like the last Jedi, but the, the fucking guy who's just like hanging out at the glass onion and smoking weed and drinking Coronas during the lockdown. I fucking love that guy. He's fucking hilarious. That character is awesome. I don't even know his name. Who, yeah, who is that? Janelle Monet like runs into his room at some point. He's like smoking a joint and drinking a beer. He's like, "Do you want to hang out?" <laughs> and he just leaves. It's that's funny. I like that a lot. I part of me like deep down, I'm sure I was the only one who thought this. Like, I really wish it was Jeff Bridges there. Like, was that yeah. character? <laughs> like, <laughs> I like. I thought about it instantly. I was like, God damn it. If they would just make that Jeffrey, I would be so happy right now. Jeff Bridges as Jeff Bridges, just like Serena Williams was actually in this. Yeah. <sighs> that would have been. Well, sweet. I mean, like, I mean, like, as like Jeffrey Lebowski. Ooh. Like, I wish he was like about like Lebowski was a part of the Benoit universe. It's like even just for a microsecond. Cause like, that's a place where. Jeffrey Lebowski would end up and just be about. Okay. I'm going to couch this very carefully in saying that Serena Williams is the greatest female athlete probably of all time, arguably the greatest American athlete of all time, definitely the greatest American tennis player of all time. But I don't know how the fuck I'm supposed to react when she shows up in the movie. Like, am I supposed to like clap? Like what? What? That's just such a flex of like, look who we can get. It doesn't add anything to the story. It's the same thing as the Anderson Cooper party and the Jeremy Renner sauce, right? It's the same joke. But even those are more like jokes, like the Anderson Cooper one at least advances the story in some way, because that's when Dave Bautista's talking about the car. Like, this is just, hey, I have a connection to Serena Williams. We can get her on a Zoom call for four minutes to read these lines. Like, I don't... (sighs) Stevie, send me straight. Why is that a good thing? Do you like it? Is it a good thing? Um, Again, I love Serena, but... Could be a number of things. It could be kind of like a joke unto itself, which is like you were saying, look how all these people we can get. You know what I mean? Um, also, it could be some contractual things with Netflix that they just need to get off the books, and this is a good way to do it. Isn't it just about the opulence, though? Just like the Mona yeah. Lisa and the Paul McCartney guitar. It's just another sign. The Paul McCartney guitar. <laughs> you wrote Blackbird on this. <laughs> he throws it into the sand. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Money Mikey Tor has entered the call. Well, hello Mikey. there, boys. <laughs> Good evening, did Mr. An- Michael. Did we get another Brian Kelly on the f- call? <laughs> <laughs> did you bring any of that gumbo with you, Mr. Monitor? <laughs> Uh, what's up? You guys like this movie? Uh, Loved it. 
I think we're all pretty positive. How'd you feel about it, Mikey? Just coming with anything. We're pretty close to final thoughts, but. Uh, yeah, I saw it probably about a week ago now, so the details are getting hazier as the days go on. <laughs> but um, uh, I remember not totally falling in love with the first half of this movie, and I was really worried about the writing. But in the end, it it's so much goofier than the first one and like in such a fantastical way, I would say. But it's just so much more non-grounded than the first one. So it's a little jarring watching it the first time, but it's still like an incredibly funny movie. And if you just like immerse yourself in this more goofy world that Benoit Blanc is kind of operating in, then it really does work. It's a lot of fun to watch. We are talking about the tone earlier being the main difference between the two movies. And we used the word silly earlier, but goofy is perfect. Like, it's so weird that it's, like, goofier. It really threw me off, Mikey. <laughs> like yeah, did you saying. guys like the first half? I didn't. Yeah, the first half is... I just thought... It, I was like, oh, no, what did Netflix do? I was, like, so scared. <laughs> <laughs> what have they done? <laughs> do you have a favorite character, Mikey? At the end, it's like, I, I'd be ready for a, a new one, like, every two, three years if they're willing to do it. But what'd you say, Pap? Do you have a favorite character? I mean, obviously, Benoit Blanc is... By far stealing the show, but I mean Janelle Monet was really great. She's playing two characters, um, and also Edward Norton was kind of fun too. I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff recently, and everybody just calls him an asshole all the time. And it was fun to see him have fun in a movie. Dude, there are a lot of people flipping the bird in this movie. It's like a Trailer Park Boys episode level of middle fingers being shown it's like avatar 2 fucking totoso man <laughs> totoso <laughs> okay stevie question talking about how the movie's goofier what i find interesting is like before this came out like i'm talking about like right after knives out there was a rumor that benoit blanc was going to have a different accent in each of the movies and oh, even God. ryan johnson said that's a bridge too far for this would that have worked at all like is that too silly that's way too silly. I mean, that's like, I mean, Peter Sellers might be able to do that. The character of Benoit Blanc, I mean, doing becoming different... kind of iconic as a character. Yes, and the thing is too is, I think Daniel Craig. Here's my opinion. You know, people always talk about you know people from the UK nailing the Southern accent. That's a really fucking hard accent to nail especially like if you're not from this country i think it shows a testament like like how good of an actor he is to like nail that accent because it's not just like a stereotype accent either that seems like really dialed into like a certain like place not just like southern louisiana but like you're talking like down to like a neighborhood type accent actually uh pappy's cousin Adam told me who this is based on. There's Who's a that? historian that appears in Ken Burns <laughs> Civil War, and his name is Shelby Foote. And if Great you name. Google a YouTube video of him, it sounds like fucking Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad I know that now. The thing is, this isn't even his best Southern performance. He's even better in Logan Lucky. Oh, true. dude, he is. Uh, he's a hick in that. I guess it's more apt. Uh, 
West Virginia, Appalachia, or whatever. But I think that the North fought that war with one hand behind its back. <laughs> At the same time the war was going on, the Homestead Act was being passed. All these marvelous inventions were going on. Uh, in the Daniel spring Craig, of 64, the Harvard-Yale boat races were going on, and not a man in either crew ever volunteered for the Army or the Navy. They didn't need them. Uh, <laughs> I think that if it had been... More southern Base successes. Take. Why weren't the elites going to war? <laughs> I like him. <laughs> um, any other final thoughts that you guys had? I, I know, Mike, you're coming in late, so if there's anything that you wanted to talk about with uh, Glass Onion colon A Knives Out Mystery. I mean, do you guys want up. a sequel and stuff? And did you guys talk about who you'd want in it? Or We didn't talk about casting. Josh mentioned that he thinks it's going to be kind of like a more overarching story i and stevie said it was going to be like him proving his innocence i think we need a confined location too i think we need to tighten up like the beginning of the story like the story should start when benoit blanc arrives at his framing you know what i mean and we can go back in time and see how we got to that point but i don't need i would like it to be more benoit blanc driven and we learn about the characters through him and not like an omnipotent, like we're seeing them in their natural environment, what Ryan Johnson wants to show us type thing. I think that would be interesting if we only had his information the whole movie. Any dream casting though, Mikey, for a Knives Out movie? No, I mean, it doesn't really matter because, uh, I mean, Ryan Johnson is just writing these people in such fun ways. I don't know. It's like we get... I was not expecting what's his face, the big guy, uh, Batista, to just be <laughs> as great as he was in this. But he does kill it in every role. So uh, he's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. He's in really good movies too. I mean, is he the best actor out of like the wrestling guys? Probably. I mean, he's been in like the most important movies, I guess. I just I think he plays more than just like big body guy on Vengeance. You know what I mean? Like I think mm. he's actually like, a really good actor. Could he use in Dune? Uh, Blade Runner 2049? Dreamcasting, though. Uh, what did you guys say? Did you guys have one? I feel like they've hit a lot of the big spoilers, people. I mean, we could obviously say Jake. You know, Jake would be great in anything. Would this be a bridge too far? Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt as Benoit Blanc's brother? I would fucking love it. <laughs> I think I, I would I love would it. I would kill for it. <laughs> Set up by my own brother on this murder train. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can my own kin and flesh. Were you guys able to hear that Shelby Foot quote? My headphones cut out and connected to my mm. phone. Did you guys get that? Whole <laughs> oh thing? yeah, we heard it. Yeah. Okay, gosh, <laughs> I thought I was disconnected that whole time. I'm so glad. But also, Pappy, I do not think the third one is going to have like any continuing story arc for through oh, the first okay. three. I'm trying to say the opposite. If you're looking for a third one to be like the final one of the series, good. It's not going to feel like that. Is my prediction. I don't want it to either. I want. I want the yeah. Exactly. It'd be cool if it was just all anthology, the whole series through. One last final thought I'll have. I know I had a couple last final thoughts, but I feel like you can tell when people are having fun making a movie. And I don't know how you can tell, but at some subconscious level, you can just see if someone's being tortured while they're doing this or enjoying themselves. Daniel Craig. Seems like he's having the time of his fucking life making these. And like all of like the out- outfits and costumes that he's in on this island are fucking hilarious. And I love it. And I, I don't know. 
this must be so nice for him after being, you know, stuck in Bond for so long to play this like total opposite character and like create this own character. He like he's almost the opposite of Bond in that he truly never has to do anything physical. It's just all about hanging out and being in the headspace. He never has to jump out of the plane, arm wrestle anybody, you know, kill anybody. <laughs> Fuck up his knees. Exactly. He's getting old. His hips are getting worn down. But, Pappy, what do you think about the Beatles stuff in this in this movie? Because it's called Glass Onion. That's a Beatles song. It's not necessarily the most famous Beatles song of all time. But, like, why, in your, why, in your opinion, is it the Beatles and that Beatles song? Is there anything there for you? I don't know. It's kind of weird. I mean, that is, like, a weird... Beatles song right on the White Album not one that people think of a lot from the White Album it's one of like those mysterious lyrics where it's like well John saying Paul was the walrus but earlier John said he was the walrus so it's like one of those like I don't know people in the 60s were just like you know buying the new Beatles record get, taking a bunch of acid and reading the liner notes are probably like blowing their minds <laughs> like what does this mean when you're hearing it but I could have used a little bit more Beatles stuff you know what I mean? Like, I only caught two Beatles references. Obviously, at the Glass Onion, which is present throughout. But then, um, like I mentioned, Edward Norton's playing Blackbird on his guitar. But I don't, there's not like much else Beatles, right? It's kind of a weird. Was the Glass Onion intended to be a reference to the Beatles? Because like it was kind of set up just like it has layers, but it's transparent. There wasn't much to the mystery, is what he said. That was a reference to Shrek. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I think that's what like from what I've read about the song "Glass Onion" is John. I hope I'm getting this right, but John had heard that like where he used to go to school, they were studying his, his lyrics in class, and he thought that was hilarious. But he also also thought it was idiotic because he didn't feel like he had like the true poetic thought in his lyrics and so like essentially he made something like glass onion to like fuck with his school so that they would look at all and and it could be like i'm the walrus pappy that that like little trivia fact is attributed to but it's kind of like the same thing like this the song has a lot of like stuff he kind of probably just made up in the studio to be honest has a lot of meta references in it Mm -hmm. i think it's I honestly think it just comes down to Ryan Johnson probably likes the White Album. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that was probably just like a point of inspiration at some point, which he can do because he's, <laughs> I don't know, there's a lot of him in these movies, clearly. He said he pictured, uh, he was picturing a lot of glass, like the villain's island would have a lot of glass on it. And he was, he Googled this, the term glass and Spotify or something and glass onion came to the top. And that was like part of the inspiration. I've been sorry. I have another final thought. I lied. The character of peg who we haven't talked about at all. She's birdie's assistant. She comes out of fucking nowhere in this movie. She's just there for so long. And then at some point she like confronts Edward Norton. I like the whole time. I'm like, wait, who is this person who's with, who's with her? Like there's just a lot to keep track of. Uh, sorry, I wasn't here for the B 
beginning of the podcast, obviously, but did you guys have a, a person in mind, like, from the very beginning, or were you guys just along for the ride? I kind of saw Eddie Norton go, coming from a mile away, right? I mean, like, the movie clearly doesn't like him. <laughs> yeah. Brian Johnson doesn't like billionaires. Who the fuck else is it going to be? Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like he was involved in some way, but I, I wasn't expecting Batista to die, is the thing. is like, oh, didn't see that coming. Pretty pretty out of nowhere but did you did you have any predictions Stevie as you were watching this were you proven wrong any points? I you're pretty good at that lo- um well it's pretty obvious it's Edward Norton right from the very beginning like there's like zero surprise in that <laughs> but I do think like the fun part of it though was just kind of like the ride along the way I did like that but I mean I don't think that's like the misdirect for this movie is the whodunit. It's kind of just the journey and how we get there. Stevie, can mm-hmm. you explain the red letter at all? You mentioned how it's like in plain sight, but it's like it's like part of the square of the shrine or something. Yeah. Maybe just describe it for a listener who hasn't watched it. Because what is it actually? <laughs> in- also, is that Kanye thing real? Wait, what? Kanye thing. Dude. There's like a, it's been going around online. I want to make sure it's real. The stuff he's been saying, yeah, that he really said all that stuff. No, no, no. <laughs> There's a shrine of Kanye inside the compound. <laughs> Wait, really? There's a huge painting of like Kanye, where he's like represented like Jesus, and it made me laugh so hard when I saw it on Twitter the other day. I just didn't know if it was real or not. I don't know. He has a lot of art up. Yeah, a lot of bad art. Like a painting of Edward Norton, just like treaded weights <laughs> rip jesus <laughs> style <laughs> I, I felt like there's something i didn't pick up on when um when helen takes it and steals it back um i don't know it's like a red square within the whole shrine of glass that i th- i thought it meant something that i wasn't picking up on that's why i asked stevie about it maybe it's nothing just like the whole oh, metaphor. That, just that little square that's cut yeah. out that shows one corner of the envelope. Yeah, I don't know why he kept it. Doesn't make sense. It was hidden, but it was in that weird art thing. It's the thrill, man. It's the hubris. Uh, true, probably. You guys ready for yes or no? Any other final thoughts? I think I'm ready. Mikey, we'll start with you. Money Mikey, thanks for joining. We love uh, that you're able to make it. What do you give... Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Glass Onion is a hard yes. Uh, Love this movie. Love the series. The writing is so great and so funny. And if you get through the first half of the movie, you're rewarded with the second half. And you just got to, like, let yourself just get immersed in this more fantastical world that these characters are now playing in. And I think we should kind of just expect that in the series going forward and just uh, kind of, or they, I don't know, maybe he'll change the mini genre again and it's less fantastical and more serious or something. The tone, he can really do whatever he wants because these are all great on their own. They don't have to be connected in any way. So it really doesn't matter where he takes it, but uh, I just love these movies and I really hope that they continue to make a lot more of them. It seems like there's definitely going to be a third one, so I'm excited about that. And he could really just have anybody he wants in the cast. It's going to be awesome. He's going to write 
a great script for whoever's willing to be in the next movie, I feel like. So, hard yes. I'll give this a, a solid yes. A yes. Um, I think I like Knives Out a little bit more. I don't like how silly it was sometimes. Um, and I just don't think that like I, I laugh at a lot of the jokes that Ryan Johnson wants me to laugh at. And again, that's going back to Poe saying a Yo Mama joke in The Last Jedi to I think it's just supposed to be funny that like you know Angel Lansbury is playing Among Us like I, I guess it's kind of funny but I, I don't know I, I think that he's such a good writer I'd rather just like have a smaller story with his best stuff rather than a two and a half hour movie with a lot of cameos and like constant reminders that this is in the real the real world I, I do think like having COVID in here is a big mistake I, just, I don't think it serves any purpose to the story at all and it's it's like done away with as soon as it's introduced basically and just kind of waste a lot of time to get there but god damn i love these murder mystery movies i love them so much like and yeah like Stevie was saying it's not even like that big of like a whodunit at some point because you kind of figure it's going to be edward norton but it's like okay how does this story actually all fit together um and it's just so it's, it looks great too there's a couple like shitty cgi moments with like the fire and stuff where it felt like a a cheap netflix movie when we're seeing it but like the way that like ryan johnson like i don't know just like the the detail in the shots all the colors what he does with the camera i just really enjoy watching these um i said i hope they keep making them i hope they pair it back a little bit in terms of the scope of the story because what he has is always so strong and his characters are always so strong that you know less can be more um but i'm a big fan of a knives out mystery cinematic universe stevie um i give this a hard yes daniel craig just chews up every scene that he's in and it's brilliant and so much fun to watch him and ryan johnson's writing for him's really strong um i do like the ensemble like ensembles are incredibly hard to make right like these are hard things to do and especially with whodunits and i'm happy that ryan johnson is doing them he's really good at them really really good at them um, I'm sure you guys know I've said this in the thread before I think Janelle Monet is like the most beautiful woman on earth and uh, she's really really good in this and honestly Ryan Johnson can make like 10 more of these and I'd be happy I think Benoit Blanc is such a fun character and I really hope he tries to set out to prove his own innocence in the next one so hardest of yeses and last but not least Notorious Feuder with Ryan Johnson Josh. Well, what I really liked about this movie is how it subverted everyone's expectations. <laughs> uh, okay, honestly, here's my yes or no. I, I don't like this movie quite as much as the first Knives Out, and I wasn't a huge fan of, like, the people in this movie, and I guess that's kind of, like, the same in the first one, too. Like, Chris Evans' character is just a huge jerk. I didn't like kate hudson like i said earlier in this movie like it didn't do much comedy wise for me but i do think she appropriately was hated and was appropriately cringy for the character she's playing so it's not necessarily a huge negative on her acting just want to put that out there the biggest thing i want to say though in the yes or no is kind of what mikey was putting down like 
this movie has a goofier, sillier tone than the first one. And I hope that that's not what's embraced going forward. Like, let's go goofier, more over the top, sillier. That's kind of like what Rambo did over the years. So I, I hope this, I hope he kind of has the balls to stick to like really changing it up. And I heard him mention that Agatha Christie does thrillers as well in her stuff they're not just about like rich folk and they she does like she dips into sci-fi a little bit um and politics so i'd really like to see maybe a, a little bit more serious of a tone in the next one but that said really like this movie a lot very entertaining and one last final thought ryan johnson said that if you like this movie you should see the 1973 movie the last of sheila he took a lot from that, and he, I have not seen it. Maybe it's a future spoiler, but he talks a lot about how he thinks it's a great murder mystery, and this movie was kind of an homage to that. There you have it. That makes four yeses for Glass Onion. I think that makes it a, an onion? Like a delicious sautéed? A bloomin' onion. Do you have what your favorite way to prepare onions, Josh? A bloomin' onion. From Texas Road. Is that Texas Roadhouse or is that the other place? (laughs) Outback Steakhouse, Bloomin' Onion. (laughs) Uh, Do you have any trivia, Josh? You said you might have have a trivia. I have a trivia if you guys would like to fight it out for who should toss to Spoiler Man. It's pretty quick. And give a hot take. Yeah, give a hot take on your way out. Here's the question. I want Pappy to go first, then Stevie, then Mikey. Because it's in the order of your... Racism. No, <laughs> it's in the order of my <laughs> preconceived beetle knowledge that you have. So it goes in order from whitest to darkest. If you don't know the spoilers, guys, <laughs> that's the order. Right there. Speaking of white, this is a white album trivia <laughs> from the Beatles. <laughs> oh, like, no. Coincidentally coordinated with Beatles knowledge. All coincidence. How white you are. <laughs> in the original LP release of the white album it has four sides. So it's a two CD disc. If you're a CD person, it's 30 tracks total. I'm a cassette man myself. What, <laughs> what track number is Glass Onion, Pappy? 13. This will be a closest two. So 13 is a really like good middle of the line answer. It's right in the middle between 1 and 30. Well done, Pappy. Stevie. Well, well, Pappy, do you have any... You know the Beatles a lot. You've listened to the White Album tons of times. Like, What's your logic here? Why'd you pick 13? I, it's not early. like Because it, like, it starts off with like... Back in the USSR, Dear Prudence, I know Obadi, Obada's in there. I feel like it's sandwiched in between two songs that I really like, and so I've heard it a lot because of that, or it might like lead into a good run of songs. I mean, White Album is all the fuck over the place. Like You can do some weird stuff later in the album, but I think it's still relatively early. It's one I've heard, of, heard a lot, and I listened to this, the first CD of the White Album more. That was my logic. Probably gave a lot of help to my opponents there. I'm so glad you actually put out some logic. That made your answer so much more rich, Pappy. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Stevie? How many vinyls was it? Two, but four sides. What? How many songs? 30. Honey pie. 30 on four vinyls? Get the fuck out. It's also the one that has number nine. 
Number nine? Yeah, ain't no way that has seven on each side. Maybe it does. Um, that wax was fucked up. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, 30? Man, this sounds like a... Uh, man, I can't say the queen number. I'll, I'll say I'll say Jordan. I'll say 23. All right. This sounds like D-side way in the back. Mikey, you white album guy? Uh, Helter Skelter is uh, my go-to. It is on the white <laughs> album. But no, I don't listen to the Beatles. I don't listen to that white guy music, white old guy music. Beatles are going to turn into Steely Dan real quick. <laughs> Fucking hate Steely Dan. <laughs> I don't. I, I really don't know. So I'm just going to guess 19. To be fair, Clapton is kind of a th- stone's throw from the Beatles for being fair. Appears <laughs> on this album. <laughs> Targently yeah. leaps. Okay, so uh, this pains me to say it, but Pappy was the closest. It's the third Let's track. Go. Pappy, you were dancing uh, all third? around it. Yes, oh, it goes back in the USSR, Dear Prudence, A-side? Glass Ugh. Onion, then Obla Di Obla Da. So you said three <sighs> of the first four. You just missed it, and I gotta admit, Glass Onion's never been like my favorite song by the Beatles, but when it hits at the end of this movie, when the credits come up, the two like snare hits, mm-hmm. it's pretty hype. But anyway, Glass Onion all- has 20 plays on Spotify. Wow. <laughs> Not a very popular song from the Beatles. <laughs> all you, Pap. Uh, my hot take... I actually was thinking about this one. There's a lot of controversy around AI art. Disney's going to shove so many AI-created movies down our throats within our lifetime. There's just like a 100% chance of that happening. It's going to be like the early days of CGI when <laughs> it was really annoying. You know what I mean? And you're just going to know it was an AI movie, but there's not going to be anything you can do about it. I just, I don't know. That's my hot take. It's going to suck ass when that happens. But when it does, we'll spoil those movies and review them. In the meantime, you want to get a hold of us. Spoiler Man will tell you how to do that. Take it away, Spoiler Man. Special thank you to our patrons, Matt Troll. Miss J, I am writing to inform you that the proposed Bangladesh factory is notoriously one of the world's biggest sweatshops. Please advise. And then you replied, sounds perfect, thanks. With your memoji dabbing. Brother Brian... Look into the clear center of this glass onion. Druid King. An ethnic slur. Nick. Wanna hang out or? The Meg. I'm a truth teller. Some people can't handle it. David. The Western workplace has been dominated by men. Nurse Stacy. I think I'm having going insane. In my mind is a fueled up racing car. And I gotta know where to drive it. The Wolf. Fine. Yeah, no, no, the winner gets an iPad. Barky 420. What do you do in Alabama? Davey Kerr. He would lie for a lie. Total movie recall. How many of these things you have? I don't know, but I feel fine. Okay? PK. I know, legit, right? Spencer. Can you say all that one more time for me, please? 
If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Spoilers is now available on Audible. We'll keep eating the shit as long as they keep shoveling it. Is what you're trying no, no, to no, no, say. No, no, no. Do you think a whole movie, start to finish, is just going to be produced by AI, or what do you think? They're trying it right now. It's hysterically funny. It's going to be like a... It's really funny. CGI rock in it, too. (laughs) It's going to be... LeBron James tried to to warn us in Space Jam 2. He tried to warn us. Tried to warn us, guys. I mean, that's literally the plot of Space Space Jam 2. They make an AI movie? That... Movies and entertainment is going to be dictated by a character named Algy Rhythm, played by Don Cheadle. <laughs> <laughs> and only I mean, LeBron James can stop him in a game of shooty hoops. Are you trying to sell me on Space Jam 2? You're saying you're we're going to Space Jam 2. Hey, don't knock Space Jam 2. It's a better movie than Space Jam 1. Probably, probably oh, is. I have a fan casting here. Kurt Russell. That's who I want to see in the next one. Oh, mm. Please. What about Wyatt Russell? Uh, Dude, whoa, Chet, I thought you liked him. Hey, I'm a Chet fan Hanks. of Wyatt. I'm a, fa- I'm a fan of Wyatt. And it's only because it reminds me of his father. If not for his father, I would not give two fucks about Wyatt. That was spoilers.